Hello, I'm Maeve Doyle, and you're joining us on the new podcast series called Conversations with Artists. Today we have Michael B., Danish artist, born in 1984, who lives now in Los Angeles. He has an upcoming exhibition at Maddox Gallery in Los Angeles, and I'm going to talk to him about his creative process, about breaking boundaries, about hip-hop, graffiti, early creative influences, and what it's like to work with your twin. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hello, Maeve. I am great and happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, indeed. How are things in L.A.? <laughs> we, we got out of lockdown about a week ago, and, and everyone's feeling much better. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. Uh, I know that feeling. A couple of times we experienced getting out of lockdown, right? So, <laughs> so hopefully we'll stay like this now and, and go in better directions. Yeah. How's it, how have you been coping with the whole thing? What's it like where you are? Some people say for artists it's not at all different. They just still go to their studio every day. Yeah, I, I still think it's like it's very individual. Um, but, but yeah, for me, um, I, I saw it like as an opportunity. Now I remember the lockdown was like uh, March, like last year. So it's been like more than a year, and I saw it as a year of like. Uh, a lot of personal growth and like uh, pushing myself even more and uh, implementing new exciting routines and um, getting more deep into my art practice as well. Um, So it it has definitely been, um, despite I couldn't see my family back in Denmark, uh, like an an exciting year. I look back and I'm, I'm actually I'm actually proud of what I have accomplished during this difficult times because I've also been able to help a lot of people as well um so it, it's um yeah exciting times but still uh challenging but i, I like it I like a challenge it's always good help in one sense i've got to ask before we go into the fact that you have flow state coming up on the first of may is that part of what you're helping people with open their galleries uh if, well um i, I definitely uh, know because i feel myself that uh, a lot of people, they are missing, you know, a great art show, something where you can like get out of your isolation and your quarantine at home um, and look at something different, change up the sceneries and get some experiences. Um, I definitely hope that my show will be a part of that. Um, but I have been able to uh, make uh, donations and support uh cherry projects and causes that I believe in uh, through my art as well. Um, some also with Maddox as well, um, where we raise, uh, raise funds um, for NHS. Um, and I also donated an original piece uh, to the Red Cross for a cherry auction as well. And a lot of other great projects, School in Cambodia and yeah, just just trying to help where I can. And underlying a lot of what looks like your kaleidoscopic paintings or or vibrant designs is is something more about the universe and connectedness and i i know i knew well i know now from the last time we spoke that meditation and mantras and i think even chanting is part of your studio ritual is that correct yeah i i practice mindfulness um, and meditation and on deeper and deeper levels as I learn more. And uh, it's definitely important for me. Um, 
and I also do like um, affirmations and sessions of gratitude as well. Um, and it's definitely like a part of my daily routines. Do you think as an artist, we connect to a, a greater or a higher self? I didn't let you ease uh, into this at all. We went straight for the deep stuff. Yeah. Wow, Maeve, I love it. <laughs> um, Small talk well, later. Yeah, you know, I definitely felt like something like a higher calling um, and and a, a, a compelling why. Um, and, and that's why I, I went for it um, as much as I did. Um, and I was ready to live on the streets, um, no matter. Um, and, and I was ready to, <laughs> yeah, I, I worked so hard and, and not, you know, looking back. Um, so, yeah, I do believe that. Is um, that in the early days, in, in the early days in Denmark? Are you referring to that time when you worked so hard to kind of change? I, you know what? I, I felt that I always worked so hard at, uh, when I skipped my education. I like kind of like entered like the entrepreneurial world um me starting my own first business when i was in my early 20s um, and that's when the old madness started um but when you love what you do you know it, it doesn't matter how hard you work because you're still having fun um, and i think that's very important so i started in the middle because we've talked before and it was exciting to hear yeah. your thoughts on meditation and your philosophical um principles but let's go back to being born in Denmark and what it was like growing up as you and how you knew that your life would end up being the life of an artist or if you knew yeah um, I didn't know <laughs> so the thing is like no nobody ever told me what I was supposed to do and I didn't know that I, that I was gonna live off my art and it's actually funny because um, a while ago, uh, when everything was just open and I was uh, at the gym, this guy um, asked me what I do for a living. And I'm telling him, uh, I'm an artist. I, I paint canvases and murals. And he was like, wow, you are so lucky. As if somebody gave me some powers and somebody told me when I was born, Michael, you're going to become an amazing artist and here is your gift. So the thing is, it took me 30 years to find out that being an artist was my path. And it didn't come very easy because it came with um, a lot of trying, a lot of experimentation. Um, I've been trying so many things um, that has nothing to do uh, with art or with graffiti um, at all. But I believe that's how you find your passion. You keep trying different stuff and you get out of your comfort zone. Um, so to everybody out there trying to find their passion, just go out there and try things. Um, and it all the magic happens outside of your comfort zone. But for you, there was a starting point, wasn't there? There was a starting, was point, starting point, that, point that sort of marked a moment when you knew things were going in a different direction. Yeah. Um, so it, it happened like on, on, on different stages and different levels. Um, I definitely enjoyed drawing as a kid um, and uh, in school um, when I was um, just growing up in like primary school, um, I would sit back in the classroom and draw 
and and be like, kind of like felt like kind of like an outsider. I felt like that through all of my education. Um, and I it's think interesting. I, the I, kids I, used to ask you for your drawings, didn't you? Got attention for your drawings, didn't you? I did, and then suddenly yeah. that feels good. <laughs> when you're a kid, that feels great because it feels like you're doing what you what the people around you want you to do. You're making them happy. Yeah, like they did notice that. Well, this guy's different, but I actually like what you're drawing. And can you can you draw it on my arm? And then suddenly I started, you know, <laughs> tattooing. Like my whole class with like a pen. And then suddenly uh, the whole school lined up in in the schoolyard and wanting me to uh, to draw on them. Uh, that was super funny until the teacher stopped it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that, that that was that was interesting. And, and uh, there's I, where the problem with authority figures started. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point. Yeah, maybe. Um, but but um, and then later, growing up in my uh, like teenage years, I, I I slowly saw how the whole hip hop culture um, kind of like invaded Denmark and Copenhagen with um, breakdancing, graffiti, and everything. And and I I I was grabbed by, and all my attention led to wild style graffiti. I got obsessed with the wild style graffiti just right away, um, and I just had to experiment with a spray can. And I felt that was the next step for me when I was like 15, 16 years old. Um, it was like 21 years ago since I had like a spray can in my hand for the first time, and my parents were kind enough to support me, and and I could uh, paint on the on the wood boards back in their back in their in, in their backyard, uh, and I tried spray painting and. That was it for me, and like I, I love this, um, but I never saw it as anything as a hobby for many, many years. It's interesting uh, growing up Danish and that sort of difference, gentleness, and your parents supporting you. Because here, you'll hear that kids who were were graffiti writing were hiding it from their parents. They were stealing the paint cans from shops and going to train yards. There's something about. Is there anything about the growing up in Denmark that think now that you live in totally. Los Angeles? Yeah. Yes, go there for a and minute. That's the same in Denmark, and, and but the thing is, I think my parents want me to give me an opportunity to to express myself in a visual way, and they thought, hey, if we can have Michael paint in our backyard, he probably won't paint on the trains and the rooftops out in the city, you know? Yeah, he won't be a uh, vandal. Exactly. Um, so I think they, you know, it, it was good that they gave me that support. Um, but there's probably a couple of secrets here and there I never told anybody or my parents, and uh, let's keep it that way. <laughs> but it's a great way for your uh, you to evolve as an artist, having support, having the creativity mixed with sort of a place to paint, and and then the next thing happened you got called into military service and your twin twin brother didn't yeah 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 we, we so my twin and i we all like morton and i we have such a close relationship with we're, we're best friends and the funny thing is like he, he actually wanted to join the military he was fine with it and and i kind of like didn't and then it went up opposite <laughs> um so i had to go in and serve the military but um I learned so much about myself and what I was really capable of. So it was a huge eye opener to me. And I think that's where I got the first big taste of getting out of my comfort zone completely um, for, because it was for like 
uh, I think it was for almost um, five months um, serving the military, and it it was a great step for me in 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 a in a new direction because I didn't know what I wanted. Uh, I didn't know where I was going with my life. I was jumping from like from different kind of uh, day jobs and everything. So that that part was growing me a lot. And when I was done with that. Um, I, I jumped straight on a on a um, on a course of, of graphic design and video animation, and that's when I started slowly to see how I could use like my creative skills and my need to express myself in a visual way and and kind of make it into um, like my future and my career. Um, so that's that's funny how <laughs> you know that how journey was. So almost like your paintings are almost like manifestations in a sense. Yeah, totally. Um, and um, and my graffiti uh, was kind of I see it as educational for me as well. I actually see my whole life as an education, uh, and and I really find great enjoyment in uh, in educating myself and learning every day and and being the search of what I'm truly capable of. You know, when I someday are gonna gonna leave this earth and I wanna I wanna lay there uh, and think I, I really became everything that I could be that I was really capable of I think I'm in, in the pursuit of that and when I'm in the pursuit of you know my potential I feel truly inspired and when I'm inspired I am truly happy um, so that, that how that that's how that goes so with the show flow state that's coming up at Maddox gallery, what yeah. what can people expect after a year in lockdown and and time to think and reflect? What are we going to see in it? How are the colors different? How are the shapes different? Yeah. Um, so, what I have my last solo show in two thousand eighteen. So I, I have quite some years for the like preparation and experimenting and and um, and practicing. And and I kind of like have time to an inward journey and and um, my, my solo exhibition opening with Maddox here at, at May 1st um, I think it demonstrates and presents the the culmination and and the different styles and techniques I have since developed in my studio but more important it signifies a new awakening of my art style so I feel with this exhibition I, I jumped into an unknown world and and all the preparation is like navigating through unknown unknown territories and this is where the magic happens, um, because as mentioned, I'm, every day I'm seeking to get comfortable with the uncomfortable and pushing myself. So in the show, you'll see a new awakening of my signature art style. And, and then you will see something that you have never seen from my hands before. Um, I'll be creating a freestanding bronze sculpture. And then I'm unveiling something that is not even a piece, more like an immersive experience or universe. Um, so the show in general is um, is consisting of elements and things that I have never tried before. Um, and this show is just so special to me. And especially during this past year, I want to invite people um, here in LA and all over the world for the digital experience as well to take a break and forget about everything that is going on and simply just disappear into my uplifting visual universe. and maybe even experience a flow state. A flow state. 
So what, which artist is the first artist you ever loved? Um, so as the first like artist I really uh, kind of like fell in love with was Salvador Dali and it was uh, a book that I got when I was I think it was 10 years old and his like fascination with serial dreamscapes um, and it, it, it talked to me, but it talked to me in a different way because I didn't know that I was becoming an artist. And, and now as an artist, uh, he's still one of my, my favorite artists. But, and then in my teenage years, I was, uh, I was more uh, inspired by graffiti artists, um, international and, and, and Danish graffiti artists. Um, so and it's, it's, and I, I feel that, um, that I have, I'm standing with one foot in the contemporary art world and, and the other foot in, in the graffiti world. Um, and I love both worlds and I'm, I'm using that for expressing myself every day. Well, that's an interesting point that you see graffiti as the past and the contemporary world is a post-millennial or post-internet. What's the difference there? Um, so with, with, with graffiti or even let's call it, let's call graffiti that is on view in a museum or gallery, um, urban contemporary, um, which is, um, I consider graffiti as a fine art style as well. Um, at least that's, that's what I'm doing as well. No, um, urban contemporary is a term that was made up by the auction houses for precisely that reason, to use graffiti <laughs> as a fine exactly. art in the auction houses. So you're right uh, on because point, graffiti, and it's very interesting, yeah. You will think that's vandalism, that's illegal, but it's still appealing to people. And I think graffiti is the most real art style alive because it's the newest art style and it's so authentic as it can be. Um, and, and people are still triggered by, um, you see it on the trains, you see it on rooftops, you see it all around, and then you see it in a museum as well. And then you see it at the auction houses selling for millions. And uh, no other art style can brag on that. No, and now you see it in NFTs. I mean, it completely infiltrates every visual medium. You're absolutely right. Then how is contemporary art different, in your opinion? So the interesting thing is that I was not interested in contemporary art scene when I started painting graffiti because I was a graffiti writer. I, th that's me. Yeah. Um, and I entered the art world having no idea what I was doing, have no idea how to work with galleries and anything. And that's why my brother and I, we started doing everything ourselves. Um, and we created our own art shows um, back in Denmark. And we will take over a 10,000 square feet warehouse and we will uh, do a custom painted Ferrari in there that I did my sculptures and, 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 and 40 original pieces and have one of the biggest art shows in the history of Denmark and have thousands of people lining up. Um, and we just did what we felt like and, and we were using our 
and our experience in the advertising world to create a brand around my art. Um, so without having any idea of what was going on in the contemporary art scene, we went ahead and did this. What year was this, suddenly, Michael? What year would this have been? This was the first one. I did this over two times. The first one was in 2016, and then I came back again and did it again in 2018 in, uh, in Copenhagen. What I described here was my was my just um, recent solo show, or my last solo show in 2018. Um, and the funny thing is, we did all this without knowing anything, and suddenly all the art magazines and everything start writing about us. Um, so that was my entrance yeah. to the art world. That and, might and be your I, meditation. You might have caught the crest of a wave of what was a collective unconscious. That's exactly what they were looking for at that time they were looking for that sort of bridge between brands and artists so many of the Jeff Koons and Murakamis and Cause was getting his start and then you appear out of nowhere as a new talent yeah like I I actually uh, to be brutal honest with you I think I was when I read about the contemporary art world, I have a different view on it now because I feel more integrated and I know more now, but I felt bored and I felt, okay, I, I, I want to do my own thing. I want to feel free and nobody's telling me what to do. I want to bend and break all rules, all traditions. Uh, and, 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 and doing that, um, I'm, it makes me feel, feel free. Um, so I was kind of like, disrupting the whole thing and and a lot of people like what are, what are you doing like you can't even do that big a show I was like I, I think I can um, and it was awesome to pull that off I, I remembered when that show the day after it's getting emotional because I, I was sitting the day after the opening with my brother and we were like what happened what really happened I've never seen as many people lining up for my art and anything and I seriously just burst into tears because I think it was the culmination of everything of so many years of preparation of me finding my passion of having success and and see like the hard work just really paid off and also knowing that I have to work even harder now it was just everything so that was like a very exciting uh, entrance into that art world I moved to LA in 2014 and I had my very first um a solo show in Los Angeles in 2015. 2015 was a groundbreaking year for me because um, the solo show that I had in LA got mentioned in uh, a, a lot of press here in LA. And I started in three months, uh, I, I started working with, with, uh, with Nike, with um, the, the, the Jordan brand and LinkedIn, American Express and Google, all those brands um, reached out to me and, and and that hit the Danish press and suddenly I was sitting on the live talk show back in Denmark. They, they want to fly me into Denmark and say this guy, this Danish guy is, is making it over in L.A. Um, and then crazy. I was suddenly on a, on, a, on a live talk show and and they wanted me on a reality show as well. And well, they followed like all my preparations from for that solo show. I mentioned it in 2016. But you had to get famous somewhere else before your own city would acknowledge that you were good. I know this. I know that scenario. Yeah, no, but I also left Denmark before I was even doing like any real uh, art. You know, I, I was I, I just wanted to, to make it over here. But yeah, I, I definitely I, I can see what you mean there. What was um, the reality but, show and what was the article? Yeah. Um, 
So after I was um, invited to the to the live talk show, um, the um, I was in, yeah. So that same week, uh, all the newspapers wanted to to write the same story, and seeing yourself on the front page on every single newspaper in Denmark was quite overwhelming. Um, and then my my brother's phone was red hot. It was <laughs> it was calling all the time, uh, and I was preparing for the my the first solo show in Denmark in 2016 and they wanted to document the preparations because they knew I was preparing for that here in LA. Um, so they had um, a production team for that reality show flying to me over here in LA into my studio and following my routines for I think for a month. Um, and then I flew back to Denmark and they, they documented the opening night as well. And that was the opening night that I had no idea what to expect um, but lucky enough it w went extremely well and and I think when it went like on TV and everything I think yeah I I kind of like moved to the next level um, and telling that story when I came back here in LA with all that success um, I was fortunate enough to start working uh, with uh, Greg Escalante the co-founder of Juxtapose um, and he kind of like became a mentor of me before he sadly passed away right after I had this show with him. Um, so, so that was, that had some wild things, um, happening when I, I tried to do my own thing with the art world because I felt like all the doors suddenly just opened to me, but it's, they started closed with the big locks on and it, it took a lot of like courage and hard work to open those doors, um, so yeah. So some of the shows, the show's titles are quite remarkable. There's Just Be, Reality Shift. What else? I know we've got coming up Glow. Yeah, so Just Be was um, that the, that groundbreaking show I had in Denmark uh, where I took over this uh, huge warehouse. Reality Shift was my solo exhibition with Greg Escalante here in LA. Um, that was reality shift and then never tomorrow is my last solo show uh where i was back in copenhagen again uh where i took over this ten thousand square feet um a warehouse and that was my my biggest show so far um and i think uh, yeah and then now it's flow stage so you can see there are different titles but they kind of also relate to something very very deep inside me it's like when I look at the titles of the shows, I can see where I were in my life at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and and suddenly it will, yeah, sometimes I'd, I don't know the title for the show until oh, the day before the opening. And then other times I would know it, um, yeah, like way, way before. Uh, so the, close, I knew that like, yeah, for a long time. Now, as someone with your sort of consciousness and the way the art world is now, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you to see how you balance the two things out. There's two important factors in contemporary art at the moment that didn't get talked about as openly 5, 10, 15 years ago. One is your auction track records. The other is art as investment, and the other is brand collaborations. Now, you've sort of touched on brand collaborations, and it seems as though you've started from that. So you probably 
see that as an art form in the way that I do, and we don't even need to visit mm -hmm. that. But what about art as an investment and working with the auction houses to sort of generate price management around your paintings? Yeah, so I, um, I, I definitely had some successful auctions as well, and I, I felt it has helped me like as an artist and as a business to have a track record. But as an artist and as who I really am, I, I love hearing about the stories of people buying my art because of um, some personal things or like an attachment may have, they have. Um, I don't think I'm much interested in hearing as a great investment, however, I, but I also know that, that people also buying my art for, for different kinds of reasons. And I also, know, I also have, I have all kinds of collectors and, um, and they also buy it for, um, for investments. And I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that, uh, uh, uh totally, um, because they can see I'm still a young artist and, um, and I'm doing a lot, um, I'm, I'm pushing, uh, so it's, it's obvious to people that they also see it as a good investment. Um, but because can... the prices are going up incrementally each year? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so, so the price has increased um, uh, continuously. Um, but the thing is, what, what, what I don't, I'm not a big fan of people buying with their ears. I think mm -hmm. they should buy with their eyes. It's a big and, problem. Um, but if if you are a new collector and and you don't know where to buy, I think starting seeing is is a good starting point. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But but we know that people now do buy with their ears. So I, totally. I can't put my head in the sand. I have to uh, ask these questions because what 50% of the new market is buying with their ears. And I probably knew how you were going to answer it. But knowing that to welcome new collectors into the art world, you have to adapt and adjust. And one of the things I've found you have to embrace is that people are starting to, to collect with their ears instead of their eyes. Now, I'm hopeful, I've got my head around that, that the art then will do the job. That if they're living with the art, the art will do the job. They'll get affected. It will transcend the way it does through a kind of osmosis of looking at it, providing they take it home and open it. So I, that's why I was interested in hearing what you'd say. Yeah, I, I also see that like when you go out and you shop like fashion and you like a brand and, and you, you like what you can get, then you want it even more. Uh, and the the scarcity and the supply and demand um, plays a, a big role, and it also does that for me because I still I still don't want to be um, I want to be available, but also want to be unique. Um, so that's also a, um, a fine balance uh, as well, um, and also think it's uh, important how um, like you build your business as an artist as and as an entrepreneur um and i think that is definitely something uh like collectors look for as well um what what do you read what writers influence your work um yeah um so i am 
uh, reading a different kind, of, both like meditational stuff, personal growth. Um, and I think um, one of the first book I read was, was like um, giving me like a, a, a change. Um, a writer called Carol Dweck, um, and she wrote a book called Mindset. Um, and of course, I love Napoleon Hill and, and Dale Carnegie. Um, those all the books they they wrote are like must reads. Um, I'm very much into uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza now, um, and so I read everything about personal growth and and um, like neuroscience and um, just how to get smarter of how I can get. Uh, like the, a, a better mind-body connection and master my mind is important for me because it's things that I need to learn to feel completely free because I feel <clears throat> if you can master your mind, you can achieve anything. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely a, a reader uh, and, and podcast as well. Um, when I'm commuting to my studio, I'll always put on a podcast. Even I would put this podcast on as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Good. Do that. <laughs> uh, then there's a lot of great artists at Maddox, and we've had the privilege over lockdown of having artists who can't travel, and they're available to do podcasts. So I agree with you in terms of listening to artists talk. I, I always love it and listen to it too. So, okay. Um, with your mindset on anything, if you could have one artwork for the from the past or the present and live with it, what would it be? Yeah, we. Uh, I, I think I already uh, revealed it uh, when I mentioned Salvador Dali. Um, but I, uh, so that's one piece. The persistence of memory um, is the piece that uh, that yeah. I I fell in love with that piece when I was a kid, and the funny thing is, I still am and. And um, you can see some of my uh, earlier works. Um, I, I, I did um, a collection of works called Eternal Landscapes that was very much inspired by Salvador Dali uh, in my own way. Um, so that's that's one. Um, and for a still living artist, um, I really love Peter Sol um, and his piece um, Subway One from 79 um, because that also inspired me um, both his color choice and his compositions. And the funny thing is that, that he's a completely different artist that I am um, because of everything he communicates in his, in, in his world and, his, and I'm, I'm abstract and he's not. Um, but I usually get inspired by completely different artists than myself. Um, Honestly, though, I can see the Peter Soule thing so well compositionally yeah, right? all of it I can see that just beautifully and I must say congratulations on managing to take two artworks from that question no one's ever done that <laughs> before I said past <laughs> or present not past and present but good for you that's about yeah, manifesting yeah, yeah. more isn't it let's do both <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the reason for art um, yeah so um it it changed for me over time because initially um, it 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 was for me to express myself and and it's still something that I couldn't live without. But it it so initially it was something that I feel and that's how it started for me to express myself. But now not only that not not only that um, but also to make a difference and and help change the world um, and and 
I hear amazing stories from people buying my art and the more I hear those, the more I get my eyes open for what power art has and I, I feel um, so thankful for being able to express what my feelings, experiences and, and, and thoughts and people will right away attach like personal things to that and also kind enough to share with me. Um, so that's one angle and the other is to be in a position where I can actually uh, help uh, people in need and support causes and charities that I believe in as well. Um, that, that is what what I live through every day. What music do you listen to when you work? Yeah, um, so I it, it really depends on on how I I I I I have strong mornings um, and I will listen to everything from from yeah, like deep house to electronic tra trance dance jazz house and R and B and hip hop. I actually listen to all kind of genres and I, I switch around because my. Uh, my inspiration, my mood changes all the time. Like, oh, now I just want it like super quiet. Now I want it like full on, and I'm, and I, I want to do this big painting where nothing is planned. I'll, I'll blast out the speakers, you know. So it, it, it kind of like follows what I'm feeling inside. Then I put that music on. Or if, and I can also, if I don't feel up for anything, I know exactly what music to put on. I have some like favorite tracks that I would put on that would get me in, into a certain mood and I feel it right away. I, I will I would even get the chills by hearing uh, some specific uh, tracks and I will be, Michael, why are you not super happy today? And like, now I am because I listen to music. So that, that plays like a huge role to me, um, definitely. I think I know the answer to this, but I, I want to hear it from you. Is there a ritual that you rely on to get in the mood at the studio or to start your day at the studio? Yeah, so I, I usually do all, like the routines and the rituals I have are all done before I enter the studio. When I'm into the studio, I am in, in an inspirational state of mind uh, because I start off my mornings very strong, get up early, meditate, gym, yoga, um, uh, m mindfulness, gratitude, um, healthy eating, all this. Um, and I make sure that everything is taken care of, uh, emails, calls. So when I went into my studio, I can really go about my day uninterrupted. Um, and, and when I'm done with my day, before I go to bed, I, I will do like a gratitude session as well. Um, it's funny because I, it, it's so important to me to be uh, thankful every day. Um, and especially when it's extremely tough, when things are not going in your way, I am so thankful for the opportunity for that because clearly there was something I had to learn or something um, I had to grow more. I, I say to myself, when everything are extremely busy and I feel stress and the pressure, pressure is a privilege because I know pressure is is the best way to really grow and to to learn. Um, but it 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 sounds easier than it really is to implement. So it, it's something that is important for me to implement in my routines every day.
No, I get that. I they always the the visual analogy is the b- most beautiful diamonds are made under the greatest pressure. Yeah, but no pressure, no diamond, right? <laughs> no pressure, no diamond. Precisely. <laughs> I know. Do you work on one piece at a time or several at once? So that's a part of my art practice that definitely changed along the way. Now I'm working on several pieces pieces at the same time, and I really enjoy that. When I first started painting in a garage, I, or like a very tiny garage, I, I didn't even have the opportunity to paint on more than one piece at the time. Um, so now that I'm having a big studio and my art practice has developed a lot, I'm feeling very comfortable working with a lot of ideas at the same time and going back and forth in between my two art practices as well, which one is very planned and one other art practice I have is more um, unplanned and creating unexpected results and shifting in between those two worlds in my studio, working at several pieces at, at one time makes me feel free. So we've come to the end of our hour, if you can believe it. Is there anything that you wish I had have asked you or we haven't talked about that you'd like to bring up now? And please tell us where we can see the upcoming show at Maddox Gallery. Yeah, so um, first of all, thank you for having me. This was like very enjoyable to talk with you. Yeah, so so my solo exhibition is opening at Maddox Gallery um, here in uh, in West Hollywood in Los Angeles on Beverly Boulevard, and um, we are opening on on May first. And and definitely uh, be sure to check in um, on on my Instagram or my Facebook because I will post a lot of like preparation leading up to the show as well. Um, and I think we touched everything, Maeve. If if, mm-hmm. if you feel the question, anything for me, um, I, I will I will be happy to round it off. Or else I I am super excited. This is crunch time for me now. This this show so is exciting. opening in like uh, nine days. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just in in my uh, flow state. Great, you know. Are you going to be available? Will restrictions be listed, lifted and you'll be available to be in the studio, in the gallery when the show's on? Yeah, so uh, in LA now, um, the the gallery can can uh, run with like uh, 50% capacity. Um, and of course, wearing a mask, social distancing and everything. And, and we will try to have people come in at different times. So we have... Um, like a steady flow of people coming in, so it don't get too crowded. Um, so, um, so yeah, I'm 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 excited. I I, I I haven't like yeah, it's so long time since I have like been like had had my show like that. It feels like yeah, it was in a another world almost. <laughs> if if people can hear you talk and meet you and speak to you about your paintings, I know they'll fall in love with them. I know that everyone who was on the first talk we did together wants a piece of your work. So there's something that people, uh, you open people up to your work and it makes them want it with them. So it's a great gift to have. Thank you for your time today, Michael. And if I could be in LA on the 1st of May, I would be there uh, without question. I'd love not only to talk to you, but to meet you and to have you talk me through your show. So if anyone's in Los Angeles and has the privilege of doing that, certainly make your way down there. 
Yeah, and, and it's open through the whole month, so until uh, May 31st. So so maybe you still have a chance to come by and check it out as well. I consider it done. Um, that's, <laughs> that's it. I'll let you get back to the studio practice. I'm n- Namaste. Namaste. Thank you. I appreciate it. Lots of love. Bye for now. Bye. You've been listening to A Private View. This is Maeve Doyle. If you like the show, please subscribe and thank you for listening. The music for this podcast was produced by Korshid Homie.